This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And for this episode, I'm going to share something that I shared with our staff at Winning at Home uh, earlier this week. We do staff devotions every Monday, and I know the episodes post on a Monday, but I'm recording this on a Wednesday. So I did, I shared this idea with our staff at our devotions a couple days ago. And what was kind of funny for me is that as I'm sharing, I'm looking, uh, you know, normally I'm looking only around the room, but now I think I mentioned it an episode or two ago, uh, we just opened a new office space. So we have uh, an office in Zealand and an office in Holland. There's also an office down in Tampa Bay. Um, and so what we do is our devotions, we FaceTime between the two, um, Holland and Zealand, to kind of keep us, you know, all on the same page with some of the stuff that we're talking about, updates, all that. And then most weeks I'll share a devotion. And so as I'm sharing this devotion, I'm looking partly around the room and partly up at the screen and watching the reaction of uh, the people that are at the other location from me. And it's kind of dawning on me that what I was sharing was a lot more <laughs> confrontational than what I, I don't know about what I had meant for it to be, um, maybe more what I had expected it to be. You know, because I prepare what I'm going to share about sitting in my office, you know, or sometimes I like to drive around and kind of talk through what I'm going to share. Um, but I'm doing it by myself. I'm reading or praying or talking it out or writing notes or whatever it is. And I'm kind of doing this by myself. And then I get to the point where I share and what I found on Monday morning, as I was looking around the room and looking at the screen and looking around that room, I felt like, okay, this is a lot more, like I say, confrontational than what I was anticipating. And so that kind of, you know, in the moment, it kind of threw me off a little bit just because I wasn't expecting it. But as I thought through it for a second, I thought, okay, well, even if this is a little more confrontational than I expected, um, it's truth from God's word. And sometimes I've talked about this idea before. Um, there's confrontation when we come up against, that's not the right word against, but when we run into the truth. Because what God's word does uh, I think the verse about it was the um, podcast I did about it was uh, talking about how God's word is living and active and how it pierces and divides and helps us see some things about us and about our world that maybe we don't want to see. And um, that's what I'm going to be sharing with you in this episode. So I'm going to read a few verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul is, uh, he's writing to a group of people in Corinth, which was a Greek city, 
which was um, across the ocean from uh, Jerusalem. And really, you know, I, I looked at the map, and I don't know how many of you, you know, the maps in the beginning and end of your Bible, how many of you look at those or how many of you internalize the spatial realities of, you know, Paul's missionary journeys and all that kind of stuff. But as I looked at, you know, because I was like, where exactly was Corinth in relationship to, um, you know, where we think of as really the hub of faith in the early days? And it's a long way away. It's across uh, a sea. And when I'm looking at that picture, my Bible didn't have it in there, so I had to Google it. And I, where's modern day Corinth? And I took a look and I was really struck by how when Jesus gave uh, the Great Commission and told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel, I really was struck as I looked at that picture. Man, they really spread out. They really did it. They really went a long way. And so Paul's writing to this group of believers at a church in Corinth, this Greek city. And he's addressing in this chapter a specific issue that there was, uh, they were having in the church, but they, it seems like, didn't even realize it was an issue in the church. And so uh, it's a passage, maybe, you know, I, I try to think through the headings of different chapters and kind of the titles of them. You know, I think we know what some of the chapters in Scripture are all about. Um, And this one, the heading for 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is expel the immoral brother. And maybe some of you, just from me saying that, remember and kind of know what this passage is going to be about. But Paul writes and he says, hey, you guys have in your church um, someone who's sinning sexually in a way that even people not in the church, even pagans, even unbelievers don't think is okay. Um, You know, he says you have a a man who's sleeping with his father's wife. And I think over the years, I think many people have assumed that means stepfather. And maybe I think we do that to kind of make us feel a little bit better that it's not his actual mother. But either way, Paul's writing and saying, hey, this thing that's going on is, is messed up. This isn't okay. This isn't in line with God's word. And even the culture around you looks and goes, man, that's messed up. And he says, and you guys, you're proud of it. Um, when I think of that, when I think of uh, being proud of that, that Paul's writing about, what I think about is how easy it is sometimes for us to want to be so accepting and accommodating and affirming and just say, hey, anything goes. As long as you show up here on Sunday morning, you're here. We're proud to have people who are living these, you know, divergent from what God's word teaches lifestyles, but you're part of our community. And so Paul's writing and he's, uh, he's trying to help them see 
the folly of this way of thinking, of saying this isn't a good thing that you're celebrating this. And in 1 Corinthians 5, I'm going to start reading in verse 6. He says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Now, I don't know. I'm going to stop there for a sec. I don't know how many of you are uh, bakers who are listening, but I think I've talked about it before. In our house, I do most of the cooking and Annalise does most of the baking. And so what will happen is, because I'm not really familiar with yeast, like maybe some of you aren't, um, I'll take a look at something that she's about to put in the oven, some bread, and I'll look and go, yeah, that's not gonna, that's not gonna turn out very good. It looks like it's gonna be a short little flat, nothing piece of, you know, loaf of bread or whatever. And then as it gets in the oven and it starts cooking, it starts rising because the yeast does its thing and it expands in the dough and it makes this grow and fill out. I don't know the term for it, but what yeast does is yeast multiplies. And because of that, because um, Jesus was talking to and Paul was writing to people who were a lot more intimately familiar with making and baking their own bread instead of buying it in a little plastic bag at the store. They used this analogy. Jesus used it when he said uh, to his disciples, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And there are mentions throughout Scripture of um, watching out for yeast, for impurity, for things that get in to our lives. In this case, Paul's writing about into the church and just kind of keep growing and expanding. And I think it's a really good uh, analogy because unrighteousness, impurity, kind of turning a blind eye to um, not living up to God's standard, that has a tendency to spread amongst a group of people. And the reason for that is even though we're supposed to be measuring ourselves against God's standard, we're supposed to be measuring ourselves against how Christ-like our lives and patterns and actions and thoughts and behaviors, uh, how they look and how we do a good job of reflecting him, even though that is the actual standard, we all know that what we have a tendency to do, what becomes really natural for us to do, is to instead look around and compare ourselves to the people around us. And what that does is instead of saying, hey, I'm going to pursue, like Scripture teaches, to be holy as God is holy. Instead, we kind of look around and say, well, this person does this, 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 and that. 
and I only do a couple things. They've got four on their list of things where they're falling short, and I've only got two, so I'm doing a good job. And what we do, like Paul's warning about here, like Jesus warned about with his disciples, um, that yeast, it spreads around. And what happens is when we start kind of turning a blind eye to some impurity, to some immorality, to some disobedience, then what we see is it has a tendency to spread. And so Paul says in the next verse, verse 7, get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. Now, maybe that word there, unleavened, maybe that kind of sticks out and makes you remember something vaguely. Uh, What Paul is doing here is he's making an allusion, an analogy to Passover, where this was a, a holiday, a celebration to remember how God brought his people out of Egypt, how as the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn, affected uh, the entire country of Egypt, how those who had followed God's uh, instructions, who had been obedient, who had slaughtered the lamb and painted its blood on the the doorpost where they were eating their dinner, um, they would be passed over to suffer this plague, the death of the firstborn. And so what Paul's doing here is he's saying, we want to be this new unleavened bread, this unleavened batch, because uh, one of the key things that was eaten at Passover was unleavened bread, flat bread, bread without yeast. And maybe you've had that at communion at a church where you've, um, you know, you've eaten it and it's kind of hard. It's almost like a little more cracker-like in a lot of ways. And so Paul is, is tying this idea back to something that for the Jewish people was a bedrock part of their faith and their story. Now, remember, he's writing this to the church in Corinth. These aren't Jewish people, but he's, he's helping them to kind of get the significance of this. So he says, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread, leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And another word for that, when they translate it as sincerity, another word would be purity. With purity and truth. And when I read through this passage, and when I see what Paul is getting at here, I'm reminded that it was in John 
chapter, I think, 16 or 17. I don't have it right in front of me. But shortly before Jesus was arrested and tried and, um, and ultimately crucified, he was praying for and with his disciples. And he said, he prayed, um, sanctify them by the truth. And then he said, your word is truth. So I'm reminded as Paul talks about um, living in sincerity and truth that Jesus used that concept, truth, as the way that God sanctifies us by his truth and then connecting his word is truth. What I want to encourage and challenge and um, confront all of us with is the reminder that God has his standards. He has his expectations. And it can be really easy for us to not look at his word, not look at the truth, to find our guidelines and to find uh, the way that we, you know, pattern ourselves after our version of what the ideal life would look like. Most of the time, when we're trying to think about what that means, we try to find a role model, someone that we know or someone that we uh, can read their biography or watch a movie about them or watch their life kind of live out in the public eye to some degree. And we try to pattern that's our ideal. Well, what God's standard, what God's ideal for us is, is laid out in his word. And if we allow ourselves um, to celebrate or to um, just become comfortable with calling, falling short of that standard, um, still okay, not that big of a deal. It's all good. What we do is we allow that yeast into our lives, into our families, into our churches, and um, we start or keep measuring each other uh, or measuring ourselves by each other instead of by God's standard, his word, his truth. And so Paul, he reminds us um, that we're not to live with malice and wickedness, but with sincerity or purity and truth. And I want to ask you to take a moment um, and see where in your life, I'm going to do the same for me, where you've kind of been excusing away some falling short, where you've been measuring yourself not by God and his standard and his truth, but looking at the people around you and going, yeah, I know I'm not maybe quite living up to what God wants, but I'm doing pretty good compared to these people. 
let's take a look at where um, there's some of that, you know, to use the Paul and Jesus analogy, some of that yeast that can have a tendency to spread and grow and do that stuff a lot quicker than we would imagine. Let's take some time. I was going to give a little moment here on the recording, but you can do it just as easily once uh, you turn this thing off or once this comes to an end. So I want to encourage you. I'm going to end the episode here, but I want to encourage you take a minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it looks like for you, however long you need to allow God to point out an area or a couple areas where you're not, where I'm not, measuring ourselves by his truth and his standard, but where we've started to measure ourselves by the people around us because that's a standard that we can more easily hit and where we can kind of gauge how we're doing and correct what we need to to feel a little better about ourselves. Um, Let's instead reaffirm, let's remake the standard, his standard.